I'm joined by Dr. Bernadette Flanagan and Dr. Michael O'Sullivan today. They are from the Spirituality Institute of Ireland, known as SPIRE, and they've organised a unique conference, the first of its kind in Ireland. It's on spirituality and the professions. Uh, Michael, I'll come to you first. Can you tell me a bit about this conference and why you've organised it? Well, it's really a collaboration between the Spirituality Institute for Research and Education that Bernadette and myself co-founded and the Spirituality European Institute for Spirituality and Economics and Society and then Waterford Institute of Technology, the Department of Applied Arts there, the School of Humanities there. And uh, the conference, I suppose, has been uh, very much influenced by the emergence of the publication, really, of the book of the same title as the conference, which is uh, the International Handbook of Spirituality and Society and the professions and it'll be on in Waterford Institute of Technology where both of us work as well uh, from the 16th to the 18th of, um, of May we run an MA in Applied Spirituality here in Dublin for Waterford Institute of Technology and so this conference uh, is able to mean that we have more connections and more collaboration between ourselves and Waterford Institute of Technology and Waterford Institute of Technology when they took on this MA programme which had run originally in Milton Institute and there after that in All Hallows College as a Dublin City University Award and then both of these places unfortunately closed down uh, Waterford showed interest in it and so we went there with the programme and they've taken it on board and it, is, it was the first time in Ireland that an Institute of Technology has taken on a programme of this kind you know Applied Spirituality MA uh, so it shows its openness really to this kind of subject area and this kind of study and that's been growing because last year you did a conference on spirituality and tourism and you were behind that as well. Dr Flanagan, tell us about the speakers who are going to come to this conference and why a conference of this nature? Because it's not something you would immediately associate like spirituality and the professions. Most of the professions you would think hadn't too much to do with spirituality. You could think that, and it's only when you go searching and looking at the catalogues in various universities and looking at their architecture department, their urban design department, their psychotherapy department, their nursing department, you suddenly discover so many professions are integrating elements from spirituality into their programmes today. And this new handbook is all university professionals who, in all these diverse disciplines, are turning to skills from spirituality base, which are able to enhance their disciplines, like, say, Laszlo Zelani, who is the editor for the book with me. Uh, he's coming from a business background. He's an economist. And uh, the whole area of how to develop authenticity within people as leaders is a big question today. How to develop, maybe other people might call it, alignment with values. So uh, we might change our language, but uh, it's fundamentally the same kind of principles that we are aware that there are wisdom traditions uh, in the diverse uh, religions that have been dealing with these practical ethics. I suppose you could call it applied ethics questions in ways uh, through the generations. And so kind of the people coming from a kind of an applied ethics background where you're dealing with integrity and authenticity and people coming from a spirituality background where you're dealing with traditions of discernment and wisdom uh, find a common ground in their work and uh, that's what's bringing the professions uh, together now uh, in this uh, dialogue. Oh, no other handbook exists at this time where so many professions together have published what they're doing. So what happens is maybe the professions don't even know within the university that architecture is 
looking at this, that agriculture is looking at this, that the food industry and the tourism and hospitality industry are all looking at these questions today. And so we're trying to get people to talk across the professions at this work that's happening in their departments. Yeah, regarding that about the book and the disciplines, there are 51 chapters in this book, this International Handbook on Spirituality in Society and the Professions, and there are 68 contributors. As Barnett says, you know, a lot of university professors and so on. So it's that level of book. And uh, it's very interesting that we have that number of people of that calibre contributing to this book on so many different kinds of subjects shows you the importance really that spirituality is acquiring across a whole range of subject areas now in higher education. And it's worth saying too that this book in some ways I see is a coming to a level of development in the discipline of spirituality because in 2004 we were involved in organising the first conference in Europe and the Academic Study Spirituality in Middletown Institute where we were working at the time and Bernd Depp was the main organiser. That was in 2004. And now here we are in 2019 with this book coming out and all these contributors and so on and all these subject areas. So I think there's been a great development over the years. Uh, there was a conference in South Africa just before the one in uh, one here in Dublin to be organised. And then after that, we had one in, in London, which is a kind of a follow on to to keep that momentum going. And there has been now uh, a growth of an international relations committee in the Society for the Study of Christian Spirituality because it's being increasingly recognised that that society which... Uh, began in the United States. It's now much more international. We have people coming from Australia to this conference in Waterford and uh, from other countries too, but it just show how widespread and how much of an outreach there is now in the discipline across the world. Um, Can you tell me what kind of topics then that that will be addressed? I mean, it's two days, so there's mm-hmm. there's plenty, two and a half days, days yeah. really. So what kind of topics and speakers? Yes, so uh, the contributors at the conference in Waterford divide in two. I think about 13 of them have written chapters for the book. So they're coming to bring their expertise in spirituality in film, spirituality in literature, spirituality in dance, spirituality in business, spirituality in leadership, spirituality in economics. So that's one collection of authors. And then the others are people who have been working in this field, maybe didn't know about the book and are coming in to make their contribution because they want to network with others that are doing the same kind of work. So we have Comeas University Business School coming, trying to network with other people from business schools. We have Fordham Business School coming, uh, networking again. So it's a networking opportunity for people maybe that are on their own trying to do this uh, work at the moment. So you have people who are just discovering that this is going on and people who have maybe already done a bit of work by writing the chapter for the book. So it's a blend. And then we have several graduates from the MA in Applied Spirituality because in general that attracts professionals that are trying to add the dimension of spirituality to whatever their practice is, whether they're in healthcare and nurses adding spiritual care skills, psychotherapy, midwives. Um, is the psychiatric profession open to spirituality? Because it seems to be that for a long time they weren't and there was a real sort of Rubicon between anything religious and anything in that psychiatric area. Yes, well, the Royal College of Psychiatrists have really worked very hard at this for the last 15 years, both their British and Irish chapters. So Professor Chris Cook has been to the fore in leading this uh, development, and he has a chapter in the book as well. So has Larry, who is also the co- co-founder with Chris Cook of the Royal Society for Spirituality and Psychiatry. Um, Larry and Chris really were the main 
persons possibly behind that uh, development. And both of them have chapter. Well, sorry, Chris has a chapter in the book, but Larry is going to be a speaker at the conference. So that's an example of how spirituality and psychiatry are coming together. And how broadly would we define spirituality for the purposes of this conference? Yes. Yeah, well, I suppose, first of all, spirituality has to be understood in what I call a more anthropological sense, a common human sense, that everybody has a human spirit. And uh, in my own classes, I speak very much about the spirit of authenticity, that every human being as a human being is constituted with a desire for authenticity. And uh, you can read people's lives as in somehow or another trying to live out that spirit and that desire. Um, so that's one kind of language and one kind of concept which meets people at a common human level. Everybody can sort of use that language of authenticity and that concept of authenticity and feel that they kind of are included. But then, of course, then the desire for authenticity in your life can take you in different directions. And people do go in different directions and some of them into religious traditions, but some not necessarily into any tradition at all. And they're just trying to live a good life. And that's for them as being an authentic human being. But for others, then it will take them into, you know, something like the Christian tradition and the basis say that they believe that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And they see their desire for authenticity and they want to live an authentic life and looking to see how to do it and where to get resources to do it. And this tradition offers this view that Jesus is the person to look to if you want to live an authentic life. And let's see then uh, come to know him more and see how to be guided by him more. So, you know, but for others, then mightn't be that way. And as Bernard has mentioned, the one of the co-editors in this, Laszlo Zolnai, he's a Buddhist. But, um, you know, there's a, there's scope for everybody if they just stay at the common human level or like trying to live a good life, an authentic life as they understand it. And then also the people who belong to religious traditions are religiously affiliated and who see their authenticity and that and their desire to live an authentic life in those terms. So there's a home for everybody. And spirituality has become a very hospitable place for people because you're not being obliged to kind of subscribe to a particular institution or religious institution or that uh, religious tradition to be spiritual. And a lot of people today would say that, you know, I am a spiritual person, but I'm not necessarily at home in a particular institution. Whereas if you're doing theology, it's more supposed that you will be coming from a particular tradition and subscribing to a particular tradition. And for some people, especially today with the male clerical church, for some people, it's a bit of a turn off the whole abuse issue and so on has turned people off a bit. So we sometimes get people in our programme, the MA programme, coming really who are saying, well, I am a spiritual person, but I have some discontent certainly now with the religious institution which I grew up in. And I'm trying to see how do I keep going as a spiritual person with that discontent, that disaffection and they feel more at home coming to study spirituality than they do with theology because they see theology as being more male clerically led and maybe a bit more prescriptive. And Bernadette, in terms of the people then who will come to this and those who are giving the talks, what do you think that they hope that they would get from this conference? And if, if somebody was to say, yeah, I'd be interested in that, because it is very new. And I mean, I'd say a lot of people listening would not be aware that any of the professions would be looking mm -hmm. at their profession from a spiritual angle. What benefit does it bring, do you think? Well, you see, I think people can be doing on this journey on their own and you're, they're looking for companions. So like recently I was dealing with an architect about a purely building project. And my first connection with the architect was there was a building that needed some renovation. So we were working through the ordinary things, quantity surveying and all the rest that you have to do for a, an architectural project. But during the time we were talking about light and vision and 
incorporating the local landscape and being sustainable and all of these kind of issues that are part of authentic human living. And out of that, he introduced me some reading that influences his architecture. And it was all got to do with spirituality and architecture. Now, he was on his own. He had no idea that there was a whole movement within architecture around spirituality. He had found this author that influenced how he went about his renovations in buildings. So like often, and I introduced him then and said, well, you know that there's quite a movement in Canada around spirituality and architecture. He was delighted. So I could give him some books. And then I told him about the conference. And so now he's able to network with people uh, that are on the same vein. So there are a lot of people individually discovering this journey, maybe through reading or web resources. And this conference is going to provide a forum where people can not simply be on their own on this journey, but actually to find others that have something of the same perspective at this time. And that's interesting, isn't it, Michael? Because in a way, nowadays, as you've pointed out, a lot of people are disaffected from institutional religion of whatever side. And yet it seems that that hunger for transcendence Mm. or for something deeper just doesn't go away. No, it doesn't go away, I think. And it shows really that we are spiritual beings in our core and that we have to somehow find a way to express it and have it sustained and all that. So as perhaps religious institutions lose confidence in the eyes and hearts and minds of some people, and yet they are spiritual, they have to look somewhere else. So I think that some of the people coming to our program, uh, that's what's going on really, that uh, they need and believe that they are spiritual beings, they want to be sustained, and that they think that this is a program that can kind of allow them to journey with people of like mind and like heart in a way that they would be supported and cared about and be able to be open about things and grow and see where it takes them. And they come out at the end of the programme, they say this programme has been life transforming, it has been life enhancing, this is the kind of language they often use. And uh, some of them will come back actually to their tradition. I'm just going to say that, that maybe they find then some of the treasures that have been cemented over by various things. That's right. I mean, one of the modules I teach, for example, on spirituality, social concern and gender, and I kind of show them there that there's another whole way of reading the Christian story that perhaps they uh, have not been introduced to, they might have got a much more negative take from the Christian tradition about women for example, or even about being socially committed. I mean I have good friends who became Marxists because they didn't feel that Christianity supports them in their desire for social justice and yet you try to kind of talk and show there's a whole way to read the Christian story that does support such a commitment. And similarly around the situation of women, there's a whole way of reading the story of uh, Jesus and Christianity that actually is on the side of women in many ways and I I opened those sorts of uh, ways of seeing things up to them and then you know it's very enlightening and it's very empowering and very freeing and very transformative and so some of them will actually come back into their traditions in a more empowered and more enabled and more satisfactory way for themselves. And Bernadette, you would know that from the monastic tradition, you're not an enclosed sister, but you have done a lot of work on monasticism in the city and things like that. And there is a whole revival of that tradition as well. Isn't that right? Yes, uh, it's, you know, growing all of the time. All you have to do is look at publications around this whole thing. Monk in the city, monk for a day, everyday monk, whatever way. It's called all kinds of different names, portable monk. Uh, So, yes, there's a whole search for taking that sense of rhythm in life, uh, sustainability, which was so much part of the monastic tradition. 
integral care. So many of the monasteries had hospices in the past and developed whole practices around transitions in life and the final transition. And people are looking for greater wisdom around these dimensions of life today. And hospitality is a big thing that comes up as well. How do we practice true hospitality in a more diverse society? So much of the wisdom that uh, monastic traditions had are being soaked today. Now in new settings, there's a whole searching again through the resources that would have been developed in various monastic sites and monastic traditions. And the fact that Ireland has a unique monastic tradition through the Celtic monastic practice makes Ireland maybe a particular place where these questions are rising up at this time. Though Anglicanism is experiencing the loss of the monastic after the Reformation, and so they're going to those resources. So different movements, cultural movements within society, I suppose in North America, it's maybe the greater divisions that are arising between communities are giving rise to a whole new generation of university students saying, but how can we build bridges rather than build walls? And they find that the monastic traditions have a lot to offer. So different cultural challenges are causing people to look again at what resources are there and monastic spiritual practices are coming to the fore in providing some kind of way forward for that discussion at this time. I'd want to say as well that, you know, spirituality is contributing, as you say, at level of practices and that, but also it's the theoretical knowledge that it's providing. You know, spirituality has to be seen as a serious academic discipline. And this is something I think that perhaps some people are maybe are not adverting to sufficiently. It has emerged and is developing increasingly as a serious academic discipline. And that's something that Bernadette and myself would be very committed to, to try and kind of bring that message across. Uh, and because sometimes the view is, oh, spirituality is a bit kind of a soft, fluffy subject area and a discipline that maybe theology is a serious academic discipline kind of thing. But we're very much committed to the view of trying to develop spirituality as a serious academic discipline, of growing it in different third level institutions and through series publications and conferences and so this conference coming up in Waterford in May and this book that's come out now the International Handbook and say the NMA programme and we've our doctoral students and some of our doctoral students are actually also launching books at this conference in May uh, which will be the first time too that we will have so many people producing books from spirituality as a serious academic discipline. One of our students, for example, who went on did her doctorate, uh, Noelia Molina, she'll be publishing her book about spirituality and, and motherhood. Then we have Bernadette Masterson, another one of our students who has bring bringing out a book and will be launched in Waterford too on uh, spirituality, illness, stigma and spirituality. And then we have uh, Petra Siebeck from Croatia, who has brought out a study based on her research, her MA dissertation for us, has brought out a book on that about spirituality in cyberspace. Particularly Instagram. Instagram. And that's breaking new ground because there isn't a lot of material on that. No, it is. It's breaking new ground. And so it'd be very interesting to see how it's going to go forward. But these are just some indications, really, of how spirituality is tuning in to a lot of the cultural trends that are there and doing it in serious study ways because that's really more the sort of side of it that we're interested in. And this conference in Waterford now, for example, in May, then we're also involved in a conference that we're holding in Rome in September 
on spirituality and spiritual theology, evolving methodologies. And we're bringing together there a raft of people from both spirituality and spiritual theology to look together at evolving methodologies and their disciplines and how they might be more interactive with each other. And then we have a conference coming up in York St. John University in England from the 1st to 3rd of June next year, which is the British Association for the Study of Spirituality among the board of directors there, which we're organising. And that would also be the 10th year of the publication of the Journal for the Study of Spirituality, which that BAS is called British Association for the Study of Spirituality produces. So that's a serious journal. That conference will be a serious uh, conference. The one in Waterford certainly may be. The one in Rome would be. So, so it's really know. embedded in the academy, you know, exactly. and, and can take its place rightfully. Just in terms of the book, Michael, yeah. you have an article in that uh, well, book. I myself have yeah. co-authored an article really on spirituality and education. And so, Bernie, maybe you'd like to say something about that. Yeah, well, I suppose uh, it's linked to the way intelligence theory is developing today. So we're looking at, you know, greater variety of intelligences today. And within multiple intelligence theory, then we have spiritual intelligence as a particular form of intelligence. Uh, In a nutshell, what would that be, Bernadette? I know it's hard to summarise it, but... Yeah, well, I suppose what it's got to do with is, well, there are diverse elements to it, but one element to it would be recognising that for profound learnings, people do need silence and solitude. So it's enabling people to develop the skills to settle into silence, to be able to recognise layers of uh, movement into silence. It's a theory that's used very much in leadership today, presencing theory, how to become present to authentic subjectivity. How do we become really present to ourselves and what is happening within ourselves? It's linked to this uh, maxim that's there, muddied waters allowed stand become clear. So how can we enable that activity of the brain that happens so much because of all the ways that we're being stimulated today? How can we still that activity and come into that core of insight or wisdom that can emerge when we still what is happening in the flurry of life? So that's spiritual intelligence, the same as sports intelligence, same as musical intelligence, is a training to develop a particular skill set to enable one to live life with more elasticity, with more resilience, with more wisdom. Finally, details of the conference. The book is the Rutledge International Handbook of Spirituality in Society and the Professions, and some of the speakers at the conference will have contributed to this book. The conference itself, Can People Book? Is it open to anyone? How much? And just again, how they go about that? Okay, the conference runs from the 16th to the 18th of May. So it's a two and a half day conference and it's advertised through Eventbrite. And in Eventbrite, when you click on the tickets, there are ticket options. So there is a student rate and there's a full rate if you want to meet professionals over dinner that's an option if you just want to attend one day that's an option so the variety of options are there uh, and it's scaled in terms of price according to those different options and all are welcome everybody is welcome